Psychedelic plants have been a part of native medicine for centuries, but modern investigations only began in the 1930s. It was promising research for a couple of decades until government regulations in the 70s and 80s drastically slowed down the progress. Recently, scientists have resumed this endeavor, taking a serious look at how psychedelic substances like MDMA and psilocybin can be useful treatments for mental health. Millions and millions of people suffering with depression, a significant portion of them not benefiting or not benefiting sufficiently from currently available treatments, then we need something new. And we've really had fairly little innovation in multiple decades for depression. That's Dr. Steve Levine, Senior Vice President for Patient Access and Medical Affairs at Compass Pathways, a mental health care company. He says that even when a treatment gets the FDA seal of approval, there's often multiple barriers of access for patients. There have been many reasons for that, but one of them has been just because in order for people to be able to access and afford their care, it needs to be covered and paid for by their insurance company. We don't have a perfect healthcare system in this country, but about 90% or so of people do are insured in some way and do access their healthcare using their insurance benefits. It's how they afford treatment. And so there needs to be a framework for payers, insurers to be able to cover these treatments and reimburse the healthcare providers that are delivering it. A large part of this framework depends on treatments having current procedural terminology codes, or CPT codes. Each medical procedure and service is assigned a unique five-digit code that allows medical professionals to properly bill insurance companies. For example, the code for a 15-minute session of one-on-one -on -one therapeutic activities is 97530. If a treatment doesn't have a specific CPT code, it can be difficult to get a patient's insurance provider to cover the cost. Levine says it's a critical aspect of patients' access to care, which is why he's excited about the American Medical Association's recent approval of a CPT code for psychedelic therapies. It's expected to go into effect on January 1, 2024, well ahead of any FDA approvals of this treatment. Compass Pathways is leading the progress currently in their Phase three clinical trial for psilocybin therapy. They recently published their Phase two b study in the New England Journal of Medicine, which served to find the correct dosage of psilocybin for patients. We looked at three groups of patients, ones that had a low dose of COMP360 psilocybin with the psychological support, which was one milligram. There was a 10 milligram group. The group wanted to see how patients changed from before starting the treatment versus three weeks after the first administration. We were looking at the change in the score on a scale that's called the MADRAS. It's an acronym for the Montgomery Osberg Depression Rating Scale, one of the most commonly used scales in depression research. And it's essentially a measurement of how depressed is someone. And what we saw was that there was a significant difference between our 25 milligram group and the one milligram group at that scale at three weeks, and then also at six weeks, and even out to 12 weeks. There was a big numerical separation between the 25 and the one milligram group. And what it showed was that a significant subset of these patients had tremendous benefit. Levine says many of the side effects were mild to moderate and went away the day after patients received treatment. 
At the three-week mark, 37% of the participants reported their depression symptoms decreased by half, while another 30% were in remission, according to the Madras scale. Ultimately, in plain language, it reflects a period of time in the course of this patient's experience where you would not currently diagnose depression. doesn't mean they're cured, right? They could relapse at some point, but 30% were in remission. Now, that does mean that 70% were not in remission at that point. And while Levine wishes the treatment helped 100% of patients, he notes that this is a dose of reality for the field. Though there's a lot of hype around psychedelic therapies, no treatment will be a magic pill that can fix everyone. However, these results are promising, especially considering the participants are people with treatment-resistant depression. And in that population, if we look at other studies that have studied similar people, the remission rates tend to be quite low. There's a study called STAR-D, which is the largest depression study ever conducted. And in that study with a similar population, remission rates were about 13 to 14%. And that's with treatments that were given every day. And so the fact that we saw remission in 37% of patients at week three, after just a single administration, is something that's really encouraging to us. Though the treatment procedure may change after FDA approval, Compass Pathways' current phase three trial is broken down into three components, preparation sessions, drug administration, and integration sessions. So what that looks like is in the preparation sessions where no drug is given, it's a meeting between the therapist and the patient to establish a sense of trust and rapport, to instruct them in some basic techniques, designed to help them stay with the experience on the day of administration if it should be challenging, to help them maintain a sense of openness and curiosity about the experience, to do just you know, basic medical consent, informed consent. Then on the day of administration, patients lie down in a supervised setting with an eye mask on and headphones in. Levine says there's a therapist in the room to support them, but they're not directly engaging the patients in therapy. There's no directive agenda aimed at any sort of therapeutic aim. They are there to help patients stay with that experience. Again, it could be challenging if somebody, especially if they haven't had previous experience with a psychedelic substance. And so they are there to keep people focused and in the moment on the experience and ultimately to safeguard them. This process is showing that the drug is doing the work that helps the patient, not necessarily a therapy session. The theory would be that the drug itself is leading to certain subjective experiences you know, in terms of feeling a sense of what's sometimes called oceanic boundlessness, which is, I admit, kind of a vague term, but can be described in various ways of feeling a sense of oneness or unity with the world some dissolving of a sense of ego. There can also be important emotional breakthroughs that people have as a result of the drug. There's visual changes that happen, but those don't require a guide or a therapist to direct people towards those things. They happen directly as a result of having taken the drug. However, patients do get that opportunity to talk through their experiences during the integration portion of the treatment. This occurs a day after administration and then again one week later. Oftentimes it can be a very meaningful experience. They can have various insights. And this is 
you know, a chance for them to talk about that, to contextualize it, and potentially be able to carry those insights forward into some longer lasting behavioral change. Levine estimates that this phase three trial will take around 18 months to complete. Then if everything goes right, they still have to analyze the data before the FDA will review it, which can take months. So even though this is the last step before potential FDA approval, Levine says we're still probably a few years away from psychedelic therapies becoming commonplace. However, since we'll already have a CPT code ready to go, patients won't have to wait for the insurance side of medicine to catch up, giving them access to the therapy almost immediately. You can find more information about Dr. Steve Levine and all of our guests on our website, radiohealthjournal.org. Our writer-producer is Kristen Farah. Our production manager is Jason Dickey. I'm Nancy Benson. coming up next week on Radio Health Journal. We live in a very ageist society, except that everybody, if they're lucky, will become old. So they're kind of prejudiced against their future selves. Are you prepared to grow old? Then headed outside, don't forget to wear bug spray. Ticks can spread a number of harmful bacteria, viruses, and even parasites, none of which you want to get. All that and more on Radio Health Journal. I'm Elizabeth Westfield, host of Radio Health Journal. If you enjoy listening to Radio Health Journal, you'll also like our sister show, Viewpoints, which covers a wide array of topics from education to history to the environment. Here's a preview of what they're covering this week on Viewpoints. If you can show a good money personality, one where you've got good values around how you acquire, how you use, and how you manage money, those patterns will be passed along generations. Making your money work for you rather than the other way around. Then there's an algorithm called the Rave algorithm, which is one of the main ones that they're using to do all of this AI voice cloning, which has kind of taken the internet by storm. Will human musicians be a relic of the past? I'm Marty Peterson. And I'm Gary Price. These stories in depth this week on your public affairs magazine, Viewpoints. And that's Radio Health Journal for this week. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to learn more. And check Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify for a library of past programs. Plus, you'll always find previous segments and information about our guests at RadioHealthJournal.org. Join us again next week for another edition of Radio Health Journal.